Welcome back to the Loud Love Podcast. Last time, the band opened up about the struggles that almost tore them apart at the seams. I'll be honest with you, I didn't make it easy for Bill over the last couple years. But on this episode, they begin to tell the story of the music that brought them back together, stronger than ever. There's not too many songs... It took me a while to really be like, yes, I want to work on it. First listen, man, most of the songs I was like, yes, we're working on this. Get a peek behind the curtain of what it takes for a band to write and record an album. I just, I plug in my guitar and I turn it really loud (laughs) and I play it and that's it. (laughs) And Bill bangs on his drums, you know, as hard as he can. And that's pretty much it. Bam, bam. (laughs) From the fiery spark of inspiration. It was a heavy topic at the time. I was very angry at the time. And you can kind of hear the anger come out in this and I kind of channeled something else to make me angry to kind of get the performance across you know to delivering the final work for the world to see back to back there's not a song to skip you will listen to every song on this album and when it's done it just starts over and you're just in this never ending awesome <laughs> loop whether you like it or not <laughs> you know what I mean but hear it from the band themselves guitarist and singer Vinnie Marone drummer Billy Minetti and bassist Pete Cunningham Welcome to the Loud Love Podcast, The Price of Addiction, Episode 1, Psychomagnet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 1 of the Loud Love Podcast, The Price of Addiction, our second EP, our second record officially, and I'm here with my bandmate, my brother, my drummer, Bill Minetti. How you doing, everybody? Last episode, we did a little bit of an overview on catching folks up to what we've been up to over the last couple of years, which has been a lot. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things we were up to was writing this record called The Price of Addiction. Yes. And I cannot wait for everyone to hear it. It's, it's amazing. I'm still blown away every time I, I listen to it and, and it, and I know you will be too. If you're not, something's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's cool because I kind of went back. We're on the tail end of the process. We're about to send it out for master. So we might make a couple small little tweaks here and there over the next week as of we're recording this podcast. But overall, the thing's done. So for the first time in like a few months, I've really been able to kind of like step back and really kind of start comparing things. And it's cool to see as good as the demos sounded, because we actually put a couple of demos out for people to listen to. Like we were kind of proud with the way that they had turned out. The original demo for Hush, late 2021. The original demo for The Price of Addiction, early 2022. itself just sounds so much better you know yeah listening to from the demo version uh it's i'm blown away i'm blown away by how well the mixes have came out 
And a lot of that is like, we've recorded drums. We, we tracked drums over at the Gradwell House in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. So if you're not familiar with that place, it is literally like a playground for adult musicians. Don't say I didn't warn you. Absolutely incredible place. The staff there, everyone on staff is just an incredible musician. It, it puts in so much care and attention into whatever it is that they're working on. I highly recommend checking them out. But they've kind of been our home base for the last couple of years, for the most part, you know? Yeah, we've, we've recorded there uh, for a majority of our songs. Um, on our first record, we did go to Asbury Park. Yeah, we did uh, that too. We did record there, but for the mo- most part, yeah, we recorded at Gradwell. Yeah. We tracked all the drums for this album there just a, a couple of months back. Matt Weber does a really excellent job getting the best sounds he can. So uh, there's like a, a saying they have on one of the little placards around there. It's just like, you can't polish turd or whatever it is. It's like, you know, the old saying. But it's true. You know, like if you're recording in a space that just doesn't sound good, it's going to sound like shit in the end. You, you, no matter what you throw on it, it's it's going to sound the same. So everything is so crisp, especially the drums on this album. And I'm, I'm happy for you in that regard because you can hear Bill in full force. Yeah, one of the concerns I had was just making sure that every hit on the bass drum was heard. Every kick you, you can hear, it, every uh, hit on the toms, every cymbal hit, the snare hits, everything. I just want to make sure that everything was crisp and clear for the listeners to enjoy. The Raw Mix for Psycho Magnet, tracked at Gradwell House, January 2023. And I think Matt did a great job at engineering that and getting that sound. And it was easy for me to work with from a, a sonic perspective as I was mixing the album. So the the first song we're going to dive into, and we can go a little bit into the mixing parts and, and the songwriting parts. We're going to kind of talk about everything. We're going to talk about the meaning behind the lyrics and stuff. Um, but we're going to talk about Psycho Magnet first. So I don't know. Should we start it off from where the title came from or should we start it off from where the song itself kind of was born? What do you think? I think the song itself, because that's what came first. All right. So, you know, Psycho Magnet, it's one of the songs. If you're in a band, you can relate. You might have a song that you wrote 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and it could be just kind of like sitting in your brain for all that time and just never have a home. And that's where this song lived for a long time. You know, I had some like demos of this song that existed somewhere where I might have programmed drums on a keyboard or, you know, whatever it was, recorded guitar in my bedroom when I was, you know, 24 or whatever. But this song was born a long time ago. It was actually, I, I wrote the song and, it, you know, it, it it was hard hitting at the time. It's easy for me to talk about now, so I don't want anybody to feel bad about it. But I wrote the song when my first wife left me and my kids. <laughs> so it was a heavy topic at the time. I was very angry at the time. And you can kind of hear the anger come out in this. And I kind of channeled something else to make me angry to kind of get the performance across, you know? And um, <laughs> amazing, amazing <laughs> vocals. I, I, I can't, I, I still can't believe it's you. I know it's you, but it's just. <laughs> Very well done, and I I love it. Well, thanks, man. Probably one of my favorite vocal perform- performances of the album. I appreciate that. And, you know, like, that's one of the reasons why I didn't record it for so long, because I'd, I'd never had confidence in myself to sing the song. I knew how I wanted it to sound, but I never had the confidence in myself to deliver the sound. Because if you listen, and if you're a fan of uh, Phil Anselmo, you could probably hear that's where the inspiration for this vocal I can sound see it. Comes I can from. see it now. 
a lot of him and a lot of like Corey Taylor too. Yes. Um, I really kind of wanted that vibe to shine through on this, on this song. And I just never had it in me to do it. No matter how angry I was, I just couldn't get my, my voice and my diaphragm to deliver it. But we talked about it last episode where I kind of had to step up my game and yeah. really learn how to sing all these various styles <laughs> that are <laughs> on this record. And I think I did a job that I'm proud of. Whether it's good or not, it's up to you to decide. But <laughs> but I'm very proud of the way it turned out. I can listen to, I've listened to these mixes hundreds of times and I don't cringe when I listen to myself sing anymore. So that's good. That's always a positive. I still do. I can't sing. <laughs> Please don't ask me to sing. I'm not going to sing for you. <laughs> I can wave a magic wand and it could sound like Bill can sing. Um. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, well, we'll we'll show some folks uh some some bill if you want. I mean, I don't want to blow up your spot, but I'll throw <laughs> I'll put some bill auto-tune solo tracks out there oh, if you want. Oh god, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> It'll definitely brighten your day. Um if anything. But um but yeah, so the the song I started writing it with uh another guy I consider my brother. His name is Jared. He's my brown bear. He's Jared Brown. But if you know him from his band, he's Jared Sin because he's real evil. He's a very dark individual. But he's my brother. Uh, so Jared Sin from the Zombie Mafia. We were in a band First Step to Failure together for years. Trying to Let You Go by First Step to Failure from the 2001 EP, No Chance for Salvation. And we were always kind of handcuffed on what we could and couldn't do in that band. So when we were let loose from that band, we kind of, you know, oh, this is what we want to do. We want to make noise. We want to fucking, you know, do some thrash metal shit and screaming and whatever came to our minds. And we wanted to call ourselves Arkham. That was the name of, of the project. But it just never happened. It never – we wrote like two uh, – three songs. We wrote this one. We wrote one called Vigo the Carpathian, which is about the villain from, from Ghostbusters. The original demo for Vigo the Carpathian by Arkham. And we wrote what now is called Perseus and the Nephilim. That was called Angels and Demons back in the day, though. And Jared doesn't remember his lyrics. So mm. now it's a completely different song. But the music's the same. Anyway. But yes, back in um, 2008, I was actually in a band officially with my cousins. We were called The Long Year. And we were in the middle of recording an album. And the music was great. And we were having a great time. And then my wife left me. And left our kids. And I went into a very deep, dark place. So this was the uh, the product of that. And the verse lyrics especially are all about that. You know, your life being turned upside down without your permission, you know. Yeah. And kind of having – you're going through like, you know, all the stages of grief every day, all day until you kind of get your feet back under you. And that's really where the original energy from this song came from. 
And it was just big, a big ball of anger for years that kind of sat on the shelf until you came along. So tell the folks, I guess, what kind of gave this song its, its true life. I heard this song. It's probably the... F- there's, there's not too many songs where it took me a while to really be like, yes, I want to work on it. A lot of the songs that you were like, here, check this out. Maybe we can work on it in the future. First listen, man, most of the songs I was like, yes, we're working on this. Yes. But Psycho Magnet, well, what it, it wasn't called Psycho Magnet when I, when I listened to the guitar parts or the, the, the song at the time. Um, when I first heard it, I was like, wow, this is... This is heavy. This is awesome. I, I'm getting like 80s thrash metal vibes from this song. And I'm like, yes, I I have to be part of the song. And I was just looking through a lot of my old lyrics. And one of the lyrics I started writing for was called Psycho Magnet. And it was about, like I mentioned on the uh, other episode, my ex-girlfriends. Ex-girlfriends are girls that I dated for a short period of time, whatever it was that I found out. They were just narcissists or they had, you know, psycho tendencies you know they were just crazy crazy and you know I which wrote, by the way if you have um you know some issues that you need addressed on a regular basis there is nothing wrong with it uh, <laughs> <laughs> but please you know definitely go get the help that you need but go on listen no like <laughs> you, got me, you got me stunned right now um <laughs> Not trying to be politically correct. I mean, like, we are talking about art here, so there's there shouldn't be anything really politically correct about art. But in all seriousness, I mean, like, there are people there are people that become toxic to you, right? No, there's- no, no, seriously. And then I had that, that type of behavior in my life, and people would, you know, they would be like... Bill, you need to find better. You need to find better. You're, you're, well, I don't know why you're, you're like a magnet for these, for these psycho girls. You know, you're, you, you attract crazy. That was their line. You attract crazy, and it's like I don't mean to. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't look crazy at first. Nobody presents themselves as crazy at first because if they did, I wouldn't go near you. <laughs> so it's like I, I wrote a song about it, and that's what Psycho Magnet is. And uh, listening to that song, I was like, wow. So I started in my shitty ass voice singing the lyrics to the song and I started writing more to it. I sent what I had as an idea to Vinny and Vinny was like, yes, I love this idea. And he started, you know, writing more stuff and he took some of my lyrics and put them with his lyrics and it created what is Psycho Magnet today. I think that's the beauty of it. I don't think the song was finished. It was almost finished for 15 years or whatever it was, but it wasn't finished until... We worked on it together. Yeah. I think that's the cool part. And again, I just want to kind of go back. Like some of my lyrics, especially, we're not trying to tell you that we're not psycho because <laughs> every everyone's got a little crazy. We're all a little crazy. We're all a little crazy. So we're not trying to tell you, hey, we're better because we, you know, we we attract the psychos. Now we're we're I'm you know we're all a little psycho. We're all a little crazy. And I'd I probably attract them because they thought I was crazy. Yeah, and there you like, go. And they're like, you know what? I like crazy. <laughs> and I think I'm completely normal. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm the psycho magnet. But even like, and, and some of some of the lyrics that I know that I contributed to this kind of talk about that. It's like, yeah, you know what? I, I might have attracted this to my life, but part of it's my own doing, you know, that I yeah. need to look at myself and kind of fix these things in myself so that, you know, I can go down a better path once this tumultuous, awful thing is over, right? So 
Yeah, man. It, pairing the two ideas together really made a lot of sense. Uh, you talked about what the song was called before it was Psycho Magnet. It was called Slay the Dragon. Mm-hmm. The original demo for Psycho Magnet, Slay the Dragon, recorded by Vinnie Moran, November 2007. And that dragon, again, talking about, you can interpret it as slaying the dragon of this terrible thing that destroyed my own life. But really, the dragon was also myself, too. You know, it was slaying that beast inside of myself that wanted everything to end, you know, mm-hmm. and, and getting over that and, and moving forward. So as cool as that title might have been, I really feel like it's complete now that it's called Psycho Magnet. I, I will also say that this song, out of all the other songs that I've worked on with you, um, has been more of a challenge on the drums um, because how fast it is. And like not, and I, I can keep up with 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 the uh, with with the rhythm. That's not a problem. It was the the it's it's trying to write to what was already there was a little hard. So like I didn't also I also didn't want to overstep because it was a song that you you know you wanted. So I wanted to make sure that I played it exactly the way that you know you you had it with just a little added you know features of what but I did. What do I always say, Bill? You got to add the bill in there. You got to add the bill flavor. Yeah. And and I did that. I did that. You you you'll hear that on. Let me uh, let me. Is it the first verse, first chorus, the end of that? Because there was there's a certain part in the original demo that was different, and I played something different one day at practice, and you were like, "Do that again." What did you just do there? And I played what I would norm what I would play on the verse instead of what would have been what was the chorus, and you're like, "No, play that part again." So accidentally, I wrote. <laughs> a new part for the song that wasn't there originally in the demo version uh, when Vinny wrote it. But I wanted to make sure that it was, it was, that it was true to, you know, the song. Um, but yeah, it was one of the harder ones for me to, to play to. It is, it is fast. And I'll say it's one of the harder ones for me having now playing it on guitar. I've been playing it for 20 years. So, but it was always like one of the songs that I would go to to keep my chops fresh because it, it is. It's a fast song. It's very precise in the way that you have to hit the riff. To do that while singing, has pro- it's definitely the most challenging for me. Like so – and I'm pretty sure – are we going to be opening sets with this song? Is that like the intention? Maybe? I want to. Yeah. I so want I think to. that extra added pressure of like, okay, this is going to be a lot of people's first – Either that or this would be a hell of a closer. Yes. You know, you good know, opener, good closer. Yeah. I think I th- this would be an amazing opener, but I feel like it would make a better closer only because it leaves the, them wanting more. Yeah. You know, it leaves everyone wanting more. And it's two minute and 30 second song that just in your face from the moment that it begins till it ends. And it's, it sucks you up. And, and, and I love it. I Man. love it. I remember the, the musical part of it. Not the whole song, obviously, but there's definitely elements of it that were inspired by uh, My Apocalypse from Death Magnetic. I can see that also. My Apocalypse by Metallica. That came out a couple of years before, I guess, this song came out. So when I was thinking about recording this episode, I was like, what did I write this based off of? 
there's you're always inspired by something. If any musician tells you, "Oh, this is completely original. This is my 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 brainchild." Well, you're always influenced by something. So uh, while we don't ever try to com- you know completely rip stuff off, obviously, <laughs> um, you're, there's always going to be something that was like subliminally there or something that you were listening to a lot of at the time that kind of rubs off on what you're writing. And I'm pretty sure I narrowed it down. It had to have been my apocalypse from Metallica, at least as far as like uh, the chromatic movements, you know, like the, going from four, five, six to seven, eight, nine kind of thing. If 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 you're interested in that technical stuff, we don't go deep dive into a lot of technical shit, especially like gear stuff. If you're listening to this podcast for like gearhead purposes, you need to turn us off because. I, I I just I plug in my guitar and I turn it really loud and I play it and that's it <laughs> and, and Bill bangs on his drums you know as hard as he can and that's pretty much no <laughs> bam um, bam <laughs> we're learning folks we're learning I don't think I'll ever be able to have like a conversation about gear like Pat does you know he knows so much but I I all I can just oh yeah yeah that's that's cool man. You're talking about like the the gear, yeah, like the like what gear you're using, amps. Oh yeah, yeah. The the style of amp, the the tube that's in there. If someone asked the me frequency about, and hurts. If, some, if someone asked me about drums, they're like, "Oh, how do you, what, how do you tune your drums?" I'm like, "Well, I I just don't want them to sound shitty." <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we went we played Camp Punksylvania uh, a couple years ago and loved playing the show. It was awesome. We had a it was very thankful for the opportunity, but the drums were like very pingy. Mm. And that's the only thing I could describe anything about drums. I do not want them to sound like pingy. Yeah. You want that depth. I, yeah. I, want I, I, need, I need a depth, especially with the bass drum. For me, the bass drum is to me is the most important. If the bass drum sounds very like pingy or what's another word for pingy. Just, yeah, it's just like kind of like poppy yeah. high pitched. I want them to sound more. I want them to sound deeper. You want that depth. Uh, yeah. You want that sub frequency. There's yeah. little things I can kind of comment on this. I, I noticed a lot about Bill's playing by mixing this album and by editing certain things. And I could definitely tell you that Bill's bread and butter is it lives in the kick snare hi hat area. That's where a lot of his groove and power and flavor comes in. So I definitely wanted to make sure that when I was mixing your stuff, that that was like, that was top priority, you know? Yeah. And also another thing that, that I'm big with too, like symbols, I'm very, very picky with symbols. There are a lot of people who are like, oh, just, just use the symbols that's up there. I'm like, no, because to me, it just, the ride I have, I feel like it, it fits every song that I write and every song that I'm playing. If like I can't just use any ordinary ride because to me, it feels like I'll, this whole song I get thrown off. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... I guess you playing guitar, you tune it to a certain thing. If you're playing it in a different key, the whole song to you feels completely off. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's my knowledge of gear. I'm not very... <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it speaks a lot to, like, drummers have a voice when they're back there. They're not just banging on a bunch of shit. I mean, like, there's, you know, drummers that are very much about how many notes can you fit into a measure, you know, <laughs> to, to, to see how, you know, technically greater you are, whatever the case is. But, you know, a drummer's voice back there, whether it's the tuning of the drums or the type of the cymbals that they use, it's all very much a part of who they are and how they express themselves. So if you're a drummer listening to this, be a little bit more adamant about your sound and about what you hope to get out of it especially when an engineer is asking you and you're you're about to track a record 
If they're asking you, what do you want this to sound like? Don't just be like, oh, well, I guess this. It's like, no, like be specific. I want it to sound like X, Y, Z because this is my voice, you know? So uh, I think that your voice is pretty well represented on this record. Would you agree? I think so. The only thing I, I won't be able to like really tell you what I like would be the brand. You know what I mean? Mm. So they're like, oh, this one's a Gretsch or this one's a Tamar, or this one's a Pearl. You know, I, I don't care what wood is made in the shells. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the drums to sound good. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where Matt Weber came in. Bill was like, I want it to sound like this. And Matt was like, okay, well, it's going to be this brand from this wood and blah, blah, blah. No, he did. He was like, that's yeah. the drum kit you want to use then. I'm exactly. Like, All right, cool. So we'll, we'll leave it to Matt to name the sound that we're looking for. Um, just to kind of like go into like how we record certain things. And we track the drums live. So yes. it was, you know, the three of us in the room together, feeding off the energy of one another. You'll notice some of the songs uh, on the record are to a metronome. Some of them are not. Some of them are just like that live kind of flow, you know, and what we what we took off the floor. Now, Psycho Magnet, believe it or not, I think that's to the click. Of all the of all the songs that would not be to the click, I would think it would be this one. But I think this one we we I set everything to the I click. I think I tried my best to nail it because it's a challenging song. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and to give everyone a background. Our goal that day was to get as many drum takes as possible. And it was basically Bill playing these ridiculously fast and <laughs> involved songs for like 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. I, I went in there. It was like, what, 9, 10 in the morning? And we left it like 9 at night, something like that. And I was in there. How'd you feel the next day? Oh, dude, I was sore. I was sore. <laughs> I was tired. You had, had blisters, I had blisters on your I had, It was all worth it, man, because it um, sounds so good, and you did such a great job with, with the mixing process, man. Thanks. Another thing that I really wanted to kind of shine through on all the songs, but especially Psycho Magnet, it's a very riff-based song. You'll hear the riff when you, when you listen to it, or the, the two riffs, really. But I wanted to make sure that the bass sounded big. Oh, Pete's bass in there? Wow. Yes. It is... It's no injustice, all right? There is bass yeah. in this song. <laughs> <laughs> There's bass in all of these songs. And for good reason, the very first album I ever worked on was in my band, First Step to Failure. We recorded our first EP called No Chance for Salvation. <laughs> and we recorded it with a, a guy named Bill Behrens. He had a studio down in Browns Mills at the time. He now lives in, I think, like Sao Paulo, Brazil, somewhere down in Brazil. But he's in a progressive rock band called Mastermind. Real big in Japan. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. I mean, it is true. <laughs> Mastermind? Yeah, they're called Mastermind. I would definitely check him out. He's like, he's a recording connoisseur. You know, he's mm -hmm. he's all about, if you want to talk tech, Bill's the guy to talk to. Yeah. But I remember the primary lesson I got from him, that first album we recorded with him was, whether you like it or not, because I played guitar, the bass is the star of the show when it comes to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. If you want your song, if you play rock and roll and you want your song to sound good, the bass has to sound good. And I remember at the time, again, sorry, Paul, if you're listening to this, our bass player was not the best bass player. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, you know this. Come on. Definitely got a lot better over the years. But when we were like 19, we all had some work to do. But he made Paul sound like a million bucks, man. And the tone on that bass, on that record, I, I came out of it a believer. And now when I, whenever I try to mix stuff, unless it's a demo, like, 
you know, if I'm recording a, a guitar demo and I'm like, listen to this guitar, it sounds amazing. And it's just like all guitar and the yeah. drums are real low in the back. Um, <laughs> but when I'm actually putting time into balancing the sounds of a record, the bass is, the, is front and center mm-hmm. about like how it sounds. Because we could talk about guitar tones all day and what I like and what I don't like. But at the end of the day, it's really, it's about the drums and the bass when it comes to rock and roll. And I feel like you guys have that connection you and Pete have that connection kind of built in because you've been jamming together for so long. Yeah. You know, and it shows on all of the songs, but as far as like, uh, tracking the guitar, whether this is like, you know, kind of letting people know how the sausage is made or not, and whether you respect this or not. I mean, there's, you know, we're a low budget band. We record all of our own stuff. There's a lot of bands that record in their bedrooms and their houses, and it sounds like it record. They recorded it in their house, right? <laughs> it's like that whole DIY scene. I love you guys. You guys put out some really great stuff, but we don't want our record to sound like that. We want our record to sound a little bit different, um, you know, as far as production value goes. So I use a lot of plugins when it comes to getting my amp sound. Now, if I could choose, don't get me wrong, I would be in a room you know, with the best mics and the best amps and dialing in that tone. And we did that for a couple of songs on this album uh, over at Gradwell. But for the most part, especially this song, it's all plugins. But I found like really great ones that I love. I don't use a PV amp, but PV put out this really great plugin. It's called My Amp or Amp Kit, I should say. And it's like my go-to tone, you know. It's that kind of load era Metallica tone. And I just... I love using it for most, it's pretty much on every song, you know? Yeah. And it it sounds great. I think it really does. I think it, and, and I also use, um, the plugin that houses like, uh, the licensed Mesa boogie tones and orange and it's called Amplitude and it's a decent plugin, but believe it or not, this amp kit plugin makes it actually sound a lot more like it's in a real room. You even get a little bit of feedback from the pickups, which you don't really get in plugins a lot. And that's why a lot of guitarists don't really like using them because you don't get that kind of live wire sound that you would get playing through an amp. But amp kit delivers that for however, you know, whoever built the plugin, kudos to you. Cause you, you figured out some stuff that other companies haven't yet. So uh, it's always like my go-to track. Anything else about psycho magnet that you can, uh, you think you might want to chat about? Should we go into like the opening, be like the eight bit mm-hmm. version? I think we sh- I should go into that. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me... One of the things we got to play around with on this song was an intro, because we knew we wanted it to start the record, and we, yeah, we wanted it to have like a unique intro. There was also some cool stuff I played with when it came to samples too, and I'll talk about that part. I think what's awesome about this uh, this record is before you hear how it is now, um, there is a little backstory. Of what we were planning to do with it. And are still planning to. Yes. So the opening track of this song is an 8-bit version. Chip tune, baby. Because Think Super Mario Brothers on steroids. Because we have a idea that's going to um, follow up with on our next record. Yeah. And it it's video game based. So um, I'm, I'm already on record talking about it. So... I mean, it's out there, so we kind of have to do it at some point. But we are—we're—we're we're making a video game. We're not actively doing it at this particular moment because we're worried about getting the album to sound good. But once you know, I have some more time. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'll continue the game. And it's, you know, we already started building it. Um, Bill is the playable character in there at this point. We're also going to add myself and Pete and probably Jimmy just because, you know, he was around during the beginning of it and stuff. And whoever else wants to be a playable character, you know, you can buy your own version. No, but yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool. We just we had this this idea of of making a video game. It's com- nobody's I don't think anybody's done it. Not I haven't seen anybody do it yet. Make a video game that that uh, goes hand in hand with the album. There are bands that have done it. Like Dream Theater, I know has done it. They didn't do it well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that they kind of bit off a little bit more than they could chew. But ours is definitely in the realm of what we're capable of delivering. You know, so like. I think they intended it to be a lot more grandiose, almost yeah. like Final Fantasy type, and it just didn't turn out that way. Ours is just going to be, look, it's going to be a side-scroller, 8-bit, you know, it's, be, it's beat just, the boss game. It's, it's just a little Easter egg. I mean, it's an awesome way to open up the album. It really is, because when you hear the opening 8-bit track go into Psycho, you're like, wow, that was, it's unique. It, it, it kicks fucking ass, yeah. dude. I love it. It's but a it, cool transition. But it's also an Easter egg to... You know, the follow-up that we are currently writing ideas for. I mean, there's not too many ideas at the moment, but we definitely have a solid list of um, what to do next. Yeah. And, you know, I can't wait to go back and uh, write some more. Yeah. And this one's not even out yet, and I can't wait to go and write <laughs> the rest, the next one. Well, you say we don't have a lot. We I think we have a really solid foundation where things are going to go after this one. Yeah. One of the other things I got to play around with and I was actually never really a fan of this particular part of an album, which is like adding samples of old movies, even old songs or like speeches and stuff like that. Even though like some of my favorite bands, like they did it all the time. Like Tool does it all the time. Sublime has a ton of samples in their stuff. Um, I was just never one to really gravitate towards it, you know, but there is a section in Psychomagnet where it's, purely instrumental and we you know when we're playing it live i feel like there's an energy there for people but when you're kind of when i was listening to the record i was like okay this sounds cool but i feel like we could say something here and i went back and i dug into some like public domain interviews and uh documentaries about um treating psychosis we're talking about addiction and how to treat it and even one of the patients that just um really kind of like captivated me with the way that he was speaking. And I sampled those in the bridge of the song and it kind of ends the song too. You know, you'll hear the sample of, you know, some narrator or a doctor talking about these things and, and how it all kind of summarizes the song, I guess. And then there's a patient that you'll hear his voice where he says, people dislike me because I am not completely like them. The way that that ends and it goes into the next song. It's it, everything just flows so perfect. It's like you listen to the eight bit version of Psycho Magnet, and then you listen to Psycho Magnet, and then you hear that ending that leads you right into the next song, which is going to be the title track of the album, "The Price of Addiction." It just back to back, you're, you're like, there's not a song to skip. You will listen to every song on this album, and when it's done, it just starts over, and you're just in this never-ending <laughs> awesome loop. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm, I'm so proud of it, and it's not even out yet. Yeah, man. And, and I I really wanted to kind of create that that common thread, that 
kind of narrative sort of thing. We joked last time about the songs not sounding the same. And you know that what they don't like they're the, if you had to like put a label on each song, each song on this album might have a different label. I don't care though. That's just how I write. It's how you write. It's what we listen to. And that kind of goes back into that sample that I chose. You know, people dislike me because I am not like other people. It sounds like a really simple statement, but it hits so hard for me. And it was important for me to kind of like, this is representative of kind of like how I feel about things and how I, you know, kind of view myself and how I just don't give a fuck, you know? So um, the end of that song, going into uh, The Price of Addiction, it ends with this weird kind of drum. I don't you you heard the drum it's mm-hmm. like this kind of like detuned eerie yeah reverberated drum thing. So that I found this on the pretty much the beginning and end of all of these videos. So if you go back and you look at these um public domain videos from the 1930s and 40s and stuff, this was like the way that they came into each each film. <laughs> and I don't know where they would show these. Maybe they were at like you know, doctor conventions or maybe, I don't know where, <laughs> where these things came from, but, um, they would all start with this really eerie drum, 1970s health classes. Yeah. And then they would end with the eerie drum. So I just thought it was cool to kind of put that there. And then it makes an appearance again to close out the album. Mm-hmm. So like it, you know, it all, it all ties everything together. I had a lot of fun with building the samples and, creating the intros and stuff like that. I thought it was really cool. One of the bands I really like, Failure, does segues really well. And they don't do it in the same way. They don't build their segues with samples per se. You know, they usually like compose music. But I just think it's a, it's a cool way to kind of, you know, I know my brain works in that way. You know, I'll hear somebody say something, it'll remind me of a movie. Or it'll remind me of a song or a, a speech that I've heard or something like that. Like my brain just works in that kind of cyclical way. So to be able to express that for people to hear, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have much else to say about psycho magnet other than I'm looking forward to playing it live. I'm also really nervous <laughs> because it's, it's definitely been the most challenging one um, to kind of, to get that down, to be able to play correctly and sing it correctly um i agree i think that i mean we said from the very beginning it is a very challenging song um but i'm very proud of how it uh turned out and how you know how it's going to be on the record and i am i can't wait for all you guys to hear this song it's it's just it it punches i'm you in still the mouth. speech i'm still speechless trying to even <laughs> you know talk it, it, about it it's hard hitting <laughs> And, and, you know, if I'm like, one of the things I like to do is I like to like show my family, my, my art, you know, even though I'm 40, I still like to show my family, my art and do hey, <laughs> hang this on the fridge. <laughs> um, but no, I do. So I'm just, uh, I'm interested to see with what like my 70 year old godfather will <laughs> think when he hears psycho magnet, because it's definitely a hard hitting punch in the mouth. But it, I, like I said, I mentioned this before, like we needed this. You know, you know what's funny? My parents, they got a turntable mm-hmm. because of Survive Anything uh-huh. uh, on vinyl. So I know my parents will, will get whatever it's released on to hear it. I, I do the same thing. I'm like, you talk about, you know, showing your parents like, hey, look what I got. I know, put this on the fridge, you know. 
I do the same thing with my parents. Yep. But sometimes my parents even come to me. They're like, "Oh, would you, you know, you know, uh, let me see that trophy that you got for, you know, for survive anything." And you know, they're they're proud of the, my achievements too. So it's cool, man. It's cool to be able to like to make this art and to make it with you guys because you put in that effort and you put in that yeah. pride. And you know, that's how when you talked about it was a no brainer to have you a part of Loud Love. Yeah, it was the chemistry in the room and how like your drumming matched what we wanted to accomplish. But it's also just the the drive behind it and the personality behind it. Mm-hmm. And I wish Pete were here to, to talk, talk about his input, um, but you're all going to meet Pete eventually, very soon. And he's an amazing guy, amazing artist, amazing musician, amazing friend. Funny as hell, man. Funny as hell. Funny as hell. Motherfucker can go up on a stage and slay it. I know he can. I'm going to be his manager, and we're <laughs> going to make millions together. Because <laughs> that dude will make you laugh at the drop of a hat. But anyway, so this is album opener, Psycho Magnet, on our upcoming record called The Price of Addiction. It is coming out May 5th, and May 5th is important, Bill, because... May 5th is the anniversary date of the day that I decided to get clean. And it's c- coming up on five years now, so I cannot Congratulations, wait man. to release the album on my five-year date. Yeah, man. And that accomplishment cannot be understated, and I don't think I can tell you enough how proud I am of you for that, man. I appreciate that. Seriously. Man. And, you know, as we've been saying, you know, if you yourself – are, you know, whether you're in active addiction right now, or if you've been in recovery for some time and maybe, you know, you're getting that itch or, you know, maybe you're in recovery and you don't have that itch per se, but you, you know, you always want to kind of keep things at bay and keep things real with yourself. Reach out, man, reach out to us, reach out to anybody that you trust. We're here for you. They are there for you. When you think that no one is there, they are, trust me. Um, having my, my dad come to my house, for instance, and, um, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't tell this story (laughs) because he's an old school Italian guy, but my dad came to my house when I was struggling with my problems and he, you know, he took all of the, the alcohol bottles out of my house and, um, we had a nice long talk and he told me he was there for me and anything he needed me to do. And it really helped me. And kind of seeing my dad, this guy that I look up to in that way, whether it's your dad, whether it's your mom, whether it's a friend, whoever plays that role in your life, you know, seek that person out. They would love to help you, you know. Thank you guys for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode. The next one will be The Price of Addiction from The Price of Addiction. Yes. On The Price of Addiction podcast. And you can check us out uh, if you please come and see us live. Obviously, we always love to have a good time. We'd love to party with you live. Um, but if you want to come and check us out on social media, you can find us at loudlove.music on pretty much all social channels. We're also at loudlovemusic.com. We're at Bandcamp, loudlove.bandcamp.com. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Tidal, Pandora. What else? Serious XM Radio. <laughs> I don't know. We're everywhere, um, so come find us. We are Loud Love. There are other Loud Loves out in the world, but they're Soundgarden cover bands. So don't get us confused with those guys and girls. You know, we are 
Loud Love from New Jersey. I've been Vinny. I'm Bill. And we will see you next time. Bye. On episode two of the Loud Love podcast, the band speaks candidly about the title track of their latest album, The Price of Addiction, and the personal life experiences that inspired their story. The Loud Love podcast, The Price of Addiction, hosted by Vinny Marone, Billy Minetti, and Pete Cunningham. Produced for Rabbit Penguin Publishing. Recorded and mixed by Vinny Marone. Support the band by liking and subscribing wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And take a moment to share on your social media page. Follow Loud Love on social media at loudlove.music. Find Loud Love wherever you stream your music. I'm Bree McMullen from Beyond the Pit Media Group. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.